Well, Northside family, so good to see you today and honored to be with you. My name's Nate. If this is your first time here, you're hanging with some family this week. Hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving week. And real quick, would you welcome everybody in our live stream, the video venue. We just always want to be mindful of them as we kick off this Christmas season. And uh, we are kicking off a new series called Thrill of Hope. And I want to make you, I know this, we were, man, it's already December today, so we're going to be flying into Christmas. And want to just give you a heads up of what our Christmas Eve services look like. This year, we're going to do eight Christmas Eve services. And uh, we're going to roll them in because we know some of you will be traveling. And so that last weekend before Christmas, on the 21st and 22nd, our normal service times, they are going to be our Christmas Eve service. And then we'll have the same identical services on the 23rd and the 24th and so I want you just to be thinking and praying about which one you'll be at. We have opportunities for you to serve and to welcome other people and practice hospitality. If you want to be a part of the serving team for that with you and your family, we'd love to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, but I love this series that we're going to start called The Thrill of Hope. And uh, it comes from a Christmas carol, A Holy Night, that was written in 1847. And I love the verse that this comes from when it says, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. You know, sometimes we think we are in a weary state as a nation, as a world right now, and it's probably never been weary like this before. And then you look back through history and you go, no, in 1847, the, the world was weary. They were tired. There was this anticipation of, will this ever get better? Will things ever change? And you found this to be true 2,000 years ago when Christ came, that the Jewish nation, the Israelites, were weary. They were under Roman oppression and they're going, God, are you ever going to step up? Is anything ever going to change? Will you meet us in our oppression? This is injustice happening in the world. God, will you do anything? And at Christmas, we see Christ coming into the world, bringing a hope that the world did not see. I love this quote uh, because even if you're not a believer of Jesus here today, all of us in this room need hope. All of us in this room, we have placed our hope in something. Even if we don't know what it's in, every single one of us placed our hope in something. I love this quote. It says this, you can live 40 days without food. You can live eight days without water. You can live four minutes without oxygen. But you can only live a few seconds without hope. Without hope. See, every single one of us in this room, we have our hope in something. Even if you can't name it, even if you haven't identified it, your hope is in something. I came across a great article. I was preparing for this. Uh, the title of the article was Apprentice to Hope by Julie Neris. And what she identified was actually, there's, she says there's seven different types of hope. The problem is a lot of us, we don't know what type of hope that we're actually having. Even as Christians, you can believe in Jesus, but put your hope somewhere else. So if someone asks you, believe in God, yeah, I believe in God, but your hope, you're hoping on something else, you're hoping in something else. She began to say this, she said, one of the types of hope is this, that you and I, without knowing it, sometimes we can live with what's called a chosen hope, where you're just going to choose to hope in this, this is just going to happen. For some of you L and Purdue fans, we will... Uh, have prayer after service for you, right? Because yesterday you were certain you had hope that you were going to win until you didn't. And now you get to live in the aftermath of this. And there's times in our life where we go against all the odds. We just choose. No, I'm just going to have hope. This is just going to work out. Well, how do you know it's going to work? I just know. Don't ask me. And you're just choosing. You don't have any rhyme or reason. You don't have any data. You don't have any backup. You're just choosing hope. 
She said another hope that if we're not careful, we'll live by is this. We'll live by a borrowed hope. We won't have any hope of our own. You'll just rely on the hope of someone else. Maybe for some of you, you're living on your parents' faith right now. Maybe you're in high school, junior high, or college right now, and you don't really know Jesus. You're like, hey, I'm here because mom and dad said if I want to eat lunch, i got to go to church, right? And, and you are living on this borrowed hope. You don't really have this hope of your own. Or you go through some difficult times and you don't have it. You're just going to borrow it from somebody else. She says there's also this other hope that if we're not careful, we'll live by. It's called this false hope where you put your hope in something and you chase after it and you get it. And once you get it, you go, that wasn't true. That didn't live up to what I was expecting. It didn't deliver. And this could be anything from a relationship to career to money to possessions. It could be a number of things. And what she says is this, it's everything outside of the hope of Jesus. She said, we got to be careful with what Hope is. This is why we're going to take this whole month to begin to examine and allow Jesus to become our hope and allow every single aspect of his hope to settle in and to begin to change our life. And what she ends in this article saying is this. She describes this hope in Jesus, which is this mature hope. And it doesn't mean that we're so sophisticated. What it means is this, that our mature hope is this, that it's a hope based in meaning in Jesus more than just the outcomes of our life. It's more than just our possessions. It's more than just our wealth. It's more than just our status. But it's this deep hope that we have in our Savior. Now, I'll be honest. I'm talking about these different types of hope. And you're like, oh, Nate, I bet you're all mature, you know, in your hope and all this other stuff. You're a pastor. And as, as I began to read that article, I began to reflect on my own life. I grew up in the church. I've been a church rat my whole life, right? You know, I you know, grew up to church. Dad's been a pastor, always been a church. But the more I began to reflect on my own life, I realized this. Growing up as a kid and growing up in junior high and into high school, I realized this. I had more of a false hope than I realized. Jesus really, I, I believed in him. I followed him. But man, really deep down, I had a false hope. I remember actually it was 30 years to this Christmas that I remember asking my grandma, Grandma, if you give me this for Christmas, I won't need anything else the rest of my life. As a matter of fact, I got it with me. This was my hope 30 years ago, and I've kept it ever since. I don't know if anybody remembers this bad boy. Yes. Eight years old, my life changed forever. Contra, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, select, start. 30 lives to beat the game. And this is what I told, you know, I told all my family, guys, if I could just get this, I don't need anything else in life. Well, until five years later, right? And uh, Nintendo wasn't so cool five years later and everybody's kind of played it. And, you know, we get the games. It's kind of this is what happens at Christmas. We pray about it. We ask for it. We get it. We think all of our goals, our deepest desires have been met. And it's a false hope. And it's a false hope because Jesus invented this thing called Sega Genesis. <laughs> and life got even better. NBA Jam, he's on fire, right? Mortal Kombat, everything, Bill Watch College Football, all this other stuff. Okay, now, now Jesus, life is complete. My hope is met. There could be no other better gaming system created on the face of the earth. Until about five years later, right? And because here's what I found out. You can't save your games on these. When you turn it on and you start a game, you got to play to the end. 
Matter of fact, anybody remember like turning off the TV but leaving the gaming on? You like leave, right? You come back, you're like, oh good, you know? And you keep playing because that's how you do it until the Lord created this great thing called PlayStation 2, right? (laughs) Then God even got better. And I remember buying, getting all this other stuff. Okay, now I have all, that we got memory cards, Jesus. Thank you. I can take it to my friend's house. I don't have to leave this on the whole time. God, you're so good. I'm not going to need anything else in life. Until the next gaming system came out. And what I realized was this, wait, wait, this stuff's getting way too expensive, right? So I stopped buying and asking for this stuff. But it was funny, just as I've reflected, I've collected all this stuff. I still got to, you know, once in a while, Ruthie and I will play Tetris 2 or something just kind of funny on Nintendo. But it's so funny how at such a young age, there is a sense of hope in my heart and in my life. That God, if I could just get this, everything would work out in life. God, my life would be complete. And see, too many times, this is what begins to happen, especially in the life of the church. It's not that you and I will deny Jesus. We just won't let Jesus be our ultimate hope. We'll we'll begin to follow these false hopes that come in life. And it's not wrong to have dreams. It's not wrong to work hard. It's not wrong to want to start a family. The only problem is this. When all of this starts becoming our greater hope than Jesus, we begin to move Jesus out of the role that he is in the way that our hearts can actually have peace and have hope. This is why it's the thrill of hope. Because you and I, we go through different seasons. And let me just be honest. Just for, I just want to ask this question as we begin this Christmas season. If you can just be honest with yourself just in this moment, just right now, just be honest with yourself. Where is your hope today? I mean, what's in it? Really, if this kind of represented your heart and your life, and you begin to pull things out of your heart, and you begin to identify What would be the greatest hope in your life right now? See, this is why sometimes we can miss this during the Christmas season because, man, we got party and we got gatherings and we got things to go to and we got got all these things to do. And we forget that hope entered the world. Matter of fact, what you find is this in the New Testament, especially Paul, when he writes his letters, all of the letters in the New Testament, when Paul writes it, he's calling people back to their hope. Matter of fact, uh, I heard one theologian say this, that every single letter that Paul wrote is either calling people back to faith, hope, or love because they're lacking one of them. And every single letter that we read in the New Testament, everything that we have from the disciples that wrote in the Gospels is he's going, they're clarifying and they're calling us back to this hope in Jesus. This is why for us, we just want to take the whole month of December to talk about this hope, to begin to allow Jesus. We don't want to live in this false hope. Jesus didn't come to give us a false hope. He is not false. But here's our problem. If we're not careful, we'll begin to chase the false hope in this world. This is why Paul begins to write in the book of Colossians to the church in Colossae because they've lost their focus of their hope. And they began to not, it's not that they don't believe in him, they're just not letting Jesus be their ultimate hope. And listen to what Paul says to them. He, he says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul says this, he says, I have become its servant, talking about the church He goes, I have become the church's servant by the commission that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Jesus wants you to know the real hope that he gives you. He wants you to experience the real grace and the real mercy this Christmas. 
He's going, I don't want you to chase things in life only to let you down. I want you to experience the hope. And he goes on to say this, here's the fullness of God. It's this mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints, to the church. And to them, the church, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, which means all of the nations, the glorious riches of this mystery. And here it is, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, some of you are going, Nate, what's so thrilling about that, right? None of you are like on your feet clapping right now. Yes, amen. Because we hear that phrase and we go, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Nate, what does that even mean? Christ in you, the hope of glory. We don't walk around saying that. Hey, welcome to Northside. Christ in you, hope of glory. Glad you're here. Free coffee right over here, hope of glory. Go get it. We, we, don't, we don't even know. Here's what it means. That you don't have to go looking for your hope. Your hope has come looking for you. See, this is what sets Jesus apart from every other religion. And every other religion before Jesus, every other belief system and every belief system that we have today says this outside of Jesus. You have to earn your way. And Jesus says, no, I've come to show you the way. Paul says the thrill of hope, this is the thrill of this Christmas season, that Christ in you is the hope of glory. That the glory that you're looking for, the glory that you're looking for to satisfy your life, the Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, the PlayStation 2, the Xbox 18, I don't know what number we're on now, right? All these things that you're looking for to provide this glory in your life, it can't deliver, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. You don't have to go looking for your hope, your hope is looking for you. This is the beauty of Christmas. This is the thrill of Christmas, that this hope has come to change you from the inside out. This is what makes this totally different because every single thing else, every single thing else, even if you don't believe in Jesus, the expectations that you put on your own life, you have to live up to. And the problem is this, oftentimes, even if we're not a believer in Jesus, we believe in our own expectations. And what do you do when you don't meet your own expectations? You can't forgive yourself, you get frustrated at yourself, so you're gonna try harder. And the more you try harder, the more frustrated you are right now. And right now, you're just spinning in a cycle and there's no thrill of hope. Because here's the deal, we can't deliver what our souls desperately need. You don't have to go looking for your hope, your hope is looking for you. This changes everything at Christmas. See, this hope, you might want, this is the the beauty of this. This hope is this thrill of hope. And this is what we're going to be focusing on this whole month is this, that the thrill of hope is moving from hoping for something. We're hoping for something. And Jesus says, no, it is, Paul says, no, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, that the thrill of hope is moving from hoping for something to hoping with someone. That this Jesus is your hope. You don't have to go looking for it. It is about you discovering how to live with this hope, this Christ that is now in you. When you become a follower of Jesus, when you turn your life over to him, he's going, I'm with you all the time. Not just at this hour of church. I'm with you every moment. I'm in the hardest times of your life. I am with you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's what this means, that this hope is our victory. This hope is our victory. Now, some of you are going, Nate, you don't know what I'm going through right now. I I can't celebrate. There's no victory in my life. 
How, how do you want me to be happy with what I'm going through right now? See, this is the problem that we make a lot of times. We think when you have hope in Jesus, that this means we're walking around happy. And that's all it means. When actually what we find is this. Here's why we need hope. Because hope is made for our hurt. Hope is made for when we have lost all hope in this world. Matter of fact, I began to study. This is a great exercise. When you're studying a word like hope, you can get an exhaustive concordance. And it will show you every single place in the Bible where that word is. And what's fascinating is this, I just studied this word hope this week. I started reading all over. You know where the word hope first shows up in the Bible? I didn't know this. This word hope first shows up in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. It's a little book, four chapters long. And here's what's amazing about this story about Ruth. If you know anything about this story, uh, what it centers on is this mom named Naomi whose husband has died. And we all know what it's like when you lose somebody close to you, especially if you lose a spouse, it is devastating. And so now she's relying on her two boys to take care of. The only thing is this, both boys end up dying. See that picture? You lost your husband, now you lose your two boys, and all she has are her two daughters-in-law. And at that time, you needed a man to own property, to provide for you. And so she literally tells her daughters-in-law, you just need to go back home, it's all over. Listen what it says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 12. This is what Naomi says to Ruth. She says, return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? You're going to wait 20 years for this? There's no hope. Go home. There's no hope. There's no hope. One of the daughters-in-law ends up going back to her family. Ruth, the other daughter-in-law, tells Naomi, she says, no, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. She goes home to Naomi, part of the Jewish line. And when they go home, Ruth ends up meeting this man named Boaz. They get married, have a son named Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse, Jesse is the father of King David, who is the king's line that leads to the king, Jesus. Hope shows up when there was no hope possible. This is Christ in us, the hope of glory. When you have lost all hope, that is where Jesus shows up the most. See, this is the thrill of hope. Hope's not asking you to be happy. Actually, matter of fact, if you want hope to come in, start being real with your hurt so hope can come in. Start being honest with God about where things hurt in your life, where you are hurting, you're going, God, I don't see how you're going to do this. This is what Naomi did. There's no hope here. There's no hope. What do you want me to do on this? This is why Paul says this is the glorious riches of this mystery. This is what's so great about hope, that this hope comes into our life when we have lost all hope, because this hope is looking for us even when we are not looking for it. See, God is always coming after us, but here's the reality that we got to see. If we're going to experience this glorious riches of this mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory, here's what we got to realize, that you and I, to become rich in God, we have to become poor in ourselves. You may want to write that down. Just to remember in this season, man, to experience this hope is this. We've got to begin to do away with the false hope and begin to cling to this real hope of Jesus. This is why Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 in the Beatitudes. The first thing he says is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you. I love how Eugene Peterson says this in the message translation. Listen to what he says when he interprets this passage. He says this, blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope, for now you'll experience Jesus. Blessed are you today when you go, I've tried everything. Finally, I guess I'll go to church. And then you walk out going, oh man, I got a chance. I got a chance because I have a savior who's come after me, who wants to live in my life in every moment, and he wants to be my victory no matter what I face. See, this is the victory of Christ. It's not just Christ over your sin and Christ over your past. It's Christ over death as well, that Jesus has the last word on death, that Jesus has the last word on everything. Naomi, you may feel like there is no hope. Have you met your faithful father who's coming after you? See, this is the beauty of hope at the Christmas season, that when you and I have lost all hope, God has not lost you. But here's why Paul says this. This is to be for all the Gentiles, which means this. This hope is for everyone. This hope is for everyone. See, what's fascinating about when Jesus came to earth, it's this. You had this multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-economical moment when Jesus came. Never before did you see a God come to earth, not just in that way, but to be for all nations. The Greeks, they had their gods. The Romans, they had their God. The Jewish people, they had Yahweh. And now Jesus shows up and he goes, I'm not just for the Jewish people, I'm for all all nations. See, when you step into this relationship with Jesus, it's not just about you and Jesus. It is now, now about you, Jesus, and the entire world that he's wanting to redeem. This is the thrill of hope that God is saying, I want all people everywhere to experience me and my love for them. Is this the hope that you have? Or is your hope just for a gift on Christmas? See, this is why actually a lot of times, if I can be honest, church gets boring. Because if all your idea of church is to show up for an hour and go home, I'd be bored too. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This hope of glory going with you every moment, going, no, I'm for all people. I'm wanting to release this to all people. That's why Matthew chapter 12 says this in verse 21. In his name, the nations will put their hope that God is calling all the nations to himself. That all of the nations God cares about. Matter of fact, I know some of you, you can re repeat our announcement video word for word and go to the living room and stay seated for prayer. And in your mind, I know you're probably thinking, does anybody even go to the living room, right? I know we've heard it on every video. Does anybody ever go? Hey, I just want to share this. It's a pretty cool stat. We've had almost 700 people this year stop by the living room, right? Begin to say, I want to take my next step with Jesus and begin. Yeah, four people are excited, right? And, and, you know, and this is what's so neat about this is, is we're going, people are coming here for the first time. I'm going, literally, this is happening more and more. People are showing up and going, hey, I know this is your first time here at Northside. You know, did you grow up in the church? Like, no, I've never even gone to a church. You know, that's the story going on here. We got people walking into this place going, I've never been to a church before. Would you tell me about this Jesus? Do you understand this hope is for everyone? It's not just for you. See, this is what begins to have this thrill of hope when we go, oh, Jesus, my life just isn't about me. God, this is about everybody. 
This is about everybody. Matter of fact, this year we will celebrate almost 350 people have been baptized so far this year. That God, yeah, man, this is exciting. That God, new people just aren't showing up. God, new people are stepping into this relationship with you. Matter of fact, we talk to our missionaries. We, we support several missionaries. We actually have two who are on staff, Terry and Amy Ruff. They are missionaries in Africa. They've been there for about 11 years, and they were on staff here a couple of years before they went there. Some of you may know them, some of you may not. But here's what's happened. They had this burden for Africa. They go, we know these people have not heard of Jesus before, and they need to hear about it. This is the thrill of hope. And they've gone there. And we asked them this week. We said, hey, we want to celebrate. We believe that Jesus is for all people, all nations, everywhere. Would you tell us what God's doing in your life? And they go, oh, here's what we can tell you. This is what's so phenomenal. They said, over the last 11 years, because of just people sharing Jesus, stepping in, this is part of what your offering goes to support this work. They have now reached 12 tribes, in, or 52 tribes in 12 different countries. And this year alone, they have baptized 2,882 people. They go, because we can't meet in a building, we have to meet under trees and act like we're having conversations about life. Most of these countries are closed to the idea of Christ, but you can't close Christ. And they go, weekly, we got 12,000 people meeting in small groups around 12 different countries in Africa. Is this the hope that is alive in that work in you? Paul was calling the church back then. He's calling us back to this hope that Christ in you is the hope of glory. All of your dreams, all of everything that you could imagine is in Christ. Matter of fact, I love this in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. I love the wording on this because Abraham was used by God to be a blessing to the nations. And listen how this passage starts out. This is what I love about Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Paul writes this. He says, against all hope, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him by God, so shall your offspring be. God was saying, I want to call you into being the father of many nations so that many nations would know me. And listen to what it says. And without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. God approaches Abraham when he's 100 and says, Abraham, I want you to become a father of many nations. Now, I can imagine how this conversation went. You know, here's Abraham, 100-year-old. God's starting to talk to him. Abraham, what? Huh? Abraham, huh? I want you to be a father of many nations. What? Right? You know, just, just beginning to process this idea. Some of you there right now, you're like, oh man, for me to leave, like putting my hope in all these other things and started putting my hope in Jesus. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Do you realize God's not asking you to muster up the faith, to muster up the hope to follow him? You know what he's simply asking you to do? In the hope that he's given you, place your hope. And to live from that hope. 
and to begin to allow Jesus to be your hope. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. What a different way for you and I to live. What a different way for you and I to lead our families. What a different way for you and I to be people in this community that are people full of hope. This is one of my favorite phrases and quotes. I don't know who it originated with, but I love this where it says this. I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. I don't know what everything looks like for me in the future. I I, I can't tell you, but I can tell you this. I have hope in the one who holds the future. I have hope in him. I'm going to lean into him. And listen how Paul finishes this section. He's saying Christ in you is the hope of glory. Don't live pursuing these other false glory, this false hope. It's only in Christ and out of Christ you can live. Verse 28, he says, and we proclaim Jesus, him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. God wants to grow you in his likeness. This isn't just about your ability. This is about hope beginning to do a great work in you. And then he says this, and to this end, I labor, struggling with all of his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Paul knows this, everything I do is by his energy, which so powerfully works in me in me. It's not the power of your hope. It is the power of the hope that is in you, that that transforms everything around you. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying this hope, Christ in you, it's the hope of glory. But here's what we got to understand about this hope. This hope was made to be unleashed through you. See, this hope is for you, but it's also made to go through you to this world. And see, we as the church are to be people who go in to our workplaces and into our, our homes and into our neighborhoods and into our everyday life, and we bring this hope to the world. Matter of fact, we began to pray about this a little bit more, and we said, God, we want to experience your hope this Christmas. How can we do that? And something that we've always done here every year for the past probably, I don't know, six or seven years, maybe a little bit longer, is a thing called the Big Give. And what we asked the church to do is this, hey, maybe go one gift less at Christmas. And we kind of tallied up the money and then we gave it all the way to some missionaries or some killer projects, did some amazing things. Last year, you guys were the most generous. You guys gave over $142,000 to this. And we go, wow, God, you know, yeah, it's such a neat moment from us going, we are unleashing this so that other people can experience the hope. And we go, God, what do you want to do this year? How can we join you this year? And we started calling our mission partners and, you know, no, no project there okay we called this people okay and we're like finally can somebody just take our money you know we want to give this away can somebody give us this and this is what we started realizing this is what God started placing on his heart is he's saying Nathan and to the leadership he's saying what if what if this Christmas Northside you didn't give to the big give Northside you were the big give and hope began to unfold through every single one of us in every single family, in every single place, in every single person, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it began to be unleashed and it met the needs of those around us. And so this is why if you guys had this card, it was in your cup holder on your seat when you walked in. We're gonna try something different this year. If it fails, oh well, we'll try something again next year, all right? Here's our hope this year. 
Here's what we want to do a little bit different. This year, we don't want to just talk about hope. This year, we want to experience the hope of Christ in you and I and let it be unleashed in whatever way possible. Here's what we're asking you to do. And if you lose this card, you might want to take, text the number or thrill of hope to 41411. We're going to give you some more information on this. But here's what we're hoping this year. We're hoping that every single one of us begin to encounter God in a fresh way in this series. We're going to keep talking about the different aspects of hope and how Jesus is our hope. But here's what we're going to do with this series. Instead of just saying, hey, would you give to the big give and then we'll write a big check. What we're asking is this. Would you begin to do these three things? First thing is this. Would you begin to pray? And to say, God, help me to understand more of what does it mean for Christ in me, the hope of glory. And God, how do you want to bring your hope through me this Christmas? And what we want you to do is this, begin to pray and ask God, God, are there people and are there places that you're calling me to go and bring hope this Christmas season? And maybe what you'll do is this, maybe you'll start talking about this. This is what we wanna encourage you. Start talking about this with your life group. Start talking about this with your family. Start talking about this with some friends. Start talking and go, hey, God, what are you doing and how can we help? And for us, we want to start living with Christ as our power and our energy. And then this is what we want you to do. We want you to just practice what Jesus puts on your heart. On our website, we have a couple ideas. If you text that number, you can go on our website. We've got some different ideas. You go, hey, I need at least give me kind of a whiteboard start. We got some options on there for you to begin to participate, for you to begin to step in. But what, and just imagine with me for a moment, what would it look like for us to really embrace this idea of Christ and as the hope of glory? And with his energy and his power, we bring hope to this world. It's amazing, here we are, we come up with this you know, idea, God drops this in our mind. A couple weeks before I did this, I had a buddy who goes to church here, he came up to me after a service one time and he said, hey, Nate, he said, you remember a couple years ago when I was going through a really hard time? I said, absolutely. He said, man, the church just stepped up in unbelievable ways. And then he handed me an envelope and he said, I want you to go help somebody who finds himself in that very same place that I was at. Nobody came to mind. I'm like, okay, all right, I, I didn't know. Come home, told Ruth, I said, craziest thing today happened. Had a guy that we helped years ago come up to me, gave me an envelope, some money, said, go help people. I said, uh, let's be thinking and praying who we could help. She goes, found out something today. One of our friends, uh, sad situation. Husband's left her, got all three kids. And she said, I think I know who we're supposed to help. And is it not surprising at all that the Spirit would already be working ahead of time? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is this your hope? See, Christ is saying, I have this hope that's come for you. You don't need to go looking for it. It's looking for you. And here's the thing. Once you allow it to find you, it wants to be unleashed through you. Let me pray for us, and then we'll go unleash hope. Father, we thank you 
that you are with us the whole of every moment. That God, you are stepping up in ways that maybe, God, we thought just all of our life, oh, I bet God can't do that, or I've been chasing this, and here you are, God, stepping up and doing unbelievable things. You're stepping in in ways, God, that we, God, we don't even think you could work in our life, and yet, Jesus, there you are working in our life. And so, God, we ask this week and today, would we begin by your grace and by your mercy to begin to get rid of the false hopes in our life and to begin to experience your hope in us, our victory, our hope, our grace, our motivation, our mercy, our everything. Father, over the next coming weeks, would you help us to see you? Would you help us to listen to you? Would you give us courage in your hope as a church family to begin to step out and help others? Jesus, thank you for coming after us even when we weren't coming after you. And it's by your grace that we ask this and we pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. Let's go unleash hope, everybody. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.